Hello and welcome to Lady Justice Women of the Court podcast. In this episode, the Lady Justices welcome Claire Hudnall, a senior from Lakeside High School who aspires to be an appellate judge. Although the Lady Justices typically discuss their experiences on their state's highest court, this episode has another purpose, to inspire, support, and encourage young women interested in the law and the judiciary. Claire is an award-winning student journalist who was selected as the 2022 recipient of the Best of the Best Award in the National Federation of Press Women's Annual High School Communication Contest. She received this award of achievement for a video feature she wrote and produced documenting the story of a fellow student who is losing his vision. Claire is also the first student from Arkansas to receive this national honor. In this episode, the Lady Justices engage in a meaningful discussion with Claire about her aspiration to become an appellate judge. In a unique spin, Claire interviews the Lady Justices about their own journeys to and on the bench. Finally, in the lightning round, the Lady Justices and special guest Claire share their favorite sport to play, if they have a favorite t-shirt, and if they are a dog or a cat person. That's coming up. Stay tuned. Well, welcome to Lady Justice Women of the Court. This is season four, episode two. And once again, I'm Justice Rhonda Wood of the Arkansas Supreme Court. And my co-host is Justice Beth Walker of the West Virginia Supreme Court of Appeals. Today is an exciting day for us on Lady Justice. Those who have listened to us since season one know that we emphasize state courts and civic education. But another purpose is to encourage future young women interested in law and the judiciary. Today, Justice Walker and I are joined by one of these young women, Claire Hudnell. So welcome, Beth and Claire. Thank you. Thank you so much, Rhonda. It is so good to see you again, and it's so exciting to meet you, Claire. I'm just so glad you could join us. Thank you so much. I'm so excited to meet y'all. Well, in how this came about is in Central Arkansas, we have a local magazine called 501 Life. And this past February, I was reading it because actually the cover story was on the Meeks family who work actually with the court quite a bit and they're from Conway. And so I was, I read it anyway, but I was really paying particular attention this month. And there was an incredible story about Claire, who is a high school student in Hot Springs, Arkansas. And as I was reading the story and paying attention to it, towards the end, the journalist asked Claire what she wanted to do in the future. And it said she wanted to be an appellate judge. And so naturally my, you know, antenna perked up. And so, and then I let Beth know and sent Beth the information. And so of course, Claire, we wanted you on the podcast. (laughs) Right, Beth? Yeah, you know, we often talk about when we figured out we wanted to be a lawyer or we talked to people about wanting to be a lawyer or maybe a pellet ju- or maybe a judge when you grow up. But you are the first person we've spoken with who is so specific as to be thinking about a pellet judge. So we had to have you on because that's what this podcast is about is a pellet judging and what it's like to be a woman doing that job. And I just well, first, I'm supposed to ask you about why you won, uh, why you were featured in the magazine. But first, I want to ask, I have to ask, um, how did you come up with appellate judging as something you were interested in doing? So I think I, so I've taken some political science classes through my high school. I've taken AP Comparative Government and AP United States Government. And I just, 
I really enjoyed them. I really enjoyed learning about government and learning about law, and I found it very interesting. So that kind of got me started on wanting to eventually be a lawyer someday or something along those lines. And then I began doing research about, you know, what types of lawyers are out there and, and what the different opportunities in the legal field are. And that's kind of when I came upon appellate law. Because as part of my U.S. Gov class, we had to read and write briefs on Supreme Court decisions. And I just thought it was the most interesting thing ever. I think I was probably the only person in that class that enjoyed it, but I really enjoyed it. And I loved getting to learn about the influence that those judges have and using the Constitution to make their decisions more than their political ideologies. And so I thought that was very interesting, and I wanted to be able to make that kind of impact in the future. Also, I love that appellate law seems to be more constitution-based, very, like, let me think of the right way to word it, very documented, very academic almost in, in the way it, it is, whereas, like, civil trials or business law seem seem a little bit different and less constitution and less research-based. Not that they're not just different. And that's what I loved about the appellate side. Well, I, I will say that you probably know more now about being an appellate judge than I did when I graduated from law school, or maybe close, because that's a pretty good analysis of kind of how these are all different. And I love the way you've described it. So that's really cool. Rhonda, did you want to respond to that too? No, I think that um, I feel like she's ready to go. <laughs> and I also think then you must have a really good teacher too that was allowing you to focus and have that opportunity to sort of dive in that well, um, that that tells me that you have something really, you know, special going on at your school as well. So yes, ma'am, my teacher was really, really awesome. Well, sometimes it can be one really, really awesome teacher or professor or just an influence that can uh, kind of get you pointed in the right direction. So thanks for telling us more about that. Now I'm going to go back to where I was supposed to begin and tell me about what you did that got you in this 501 Life magazine in Arkansas and about the award that you won. So it's a really long story, and it kind of comes from another really awesome broadcasting teacher at Lakeside. So I've been in a broadcasting class at Lakeside since my ninth grade year. And, and then my 10th grade year, I joined District Press. And what District Press does is we create videos about the school district and put that out on the, on the school district YouTube channel to kind of spread information about different classes that are going on at Lakeside or different events or different students even, or different teachers. So one day my teacher asked if anyone wanted to make a video about a certain student that's in my grade. And this student had a, a condition that gradually hindered his sight, um, but he remained a student at my school. He continued taking all of the same classes that I take. Of course, he we had people come in to, to assist him and help him learn Braille and, and things like that. But he continued being a normal student at my high school. And my teachers just thought that was a really cool story. And so, of course, I jumped on that opportunity. I thought it was super cool. I was I was very excited to be able to talk to him about it. So I was able to interview him. I interviewed his parents and I interviewed some of his teachers, just kind of about him and, and about what he does at our school. 
And so then I made a video about that for the assignment for my teacher. With the video, the main thing that struck me was just how incredible his story was, how inspiring he was, how how perseverant he was. So I was really excited to be able to make that video and share it with my teacher and, and share it with the others in my class. But I didn't think it would really go any farther than that. And then my teacher, without telling me, submitted it to the Arkansas Press Women High School Communications Competition. This is a competition for different types of high school communication. So it includes film, newspaper, yearbook, essay writing, all of those. And my video ended up winning in the documentary uh, category of that competition, which qualified it to go to the national competition. So that's when my teacher told me that it had been entered <laughs> in this com- competition. So then the next week was whenever I found out the results of the national competition. And at this national competition, it won the documentary category. And it also won in the overall category. So this was against the winners of all of the different categories as a part of this competition. So film, essays, yearbook, all of that. And that is what led to my article in the 501 Life magazine, because a lot of the the women in the Arkansas Press Women Association were very excited about having an Arkansas student make it that far at the national competition. So that's kind of what came from that. But the most exciting thing to me about the whole thing was that I was able to share his story to that many people. I'd, I loved his story whenever I was able to to make it. And the hardest part about the whole video was was trying to make it shorter. I mean, it was whenever I started, it was like 20 minutes long. And because his story was just so cool. And I, I, I wanted to be able to include as much of it as I could and be able to share it with others as much as I could. So the hardest part was honestly like narrowing it down. But with that opportunity, I was I was really glad that that many people were able to hear his story because it it impacted me a lot. It inspired me a lot being able to see his perseverance and and talk to him about it. So I think it's really cool that others got to see that too. It's an amazing video. Um, and what's amazing that, you know, you created it not for an award and for a competition, but, you know, you created it to showcase a light on him. And then it's just sort of, you know, naturally came about that you, you know, receive this recognition, but it's, it's incredible. And when we release this episode, we'll make sure and include um, links so everybody can um, go and watch it. So we'll be able to get more people to, you know, hear his story. And I think it'd also be inspiring that, you know, I'm sure there's lots of others that are going through his condition and family members that, you know, can hear this as well. So it's truly wonderful. But Since we figured one is you obviously have an interest in journalism somewhat um, since you've been doing this for several years through your school and you have an interest in appellate law. So we thought that we would give you an opportunity to sort of pursue both your, these passions. And so we'll give you an opportunity to sort of be a journalist and ask us questions, but also ask questions related to maybe appellate law. So you could find out anything you were interested in you know, from two, you know, appellate justices. Um, And so let you kind of put on both hats. And so we're going to actually turn it over to you and let you sort of kind of host this part of the podcast and flip it over to you and let you decide what you want to ask us. Yes, ma'am. Well, thank you so much. 
So first, I just would really like to know what made you guys interested in pursuing a career in law, specifically in appellate law? Well, I'll start and go back to the story I often tell, which was when I was in seventh grade and some one of my classmates, and it was social studies. We didn't have, it was, you know, before high school, we didn't actually have AP at my high school. So long before all of that, they, my, my classmate said, well, you should be a lawyer because you really like to argue. And that stayed in my brain and it was what I always wanted to do. And occasionally I would think for a moment about doing something else. Maybe I could do this or be an English professor, but I stuck with law school all the way along. I didn't decide to be an appellate lawyer or appellate judge until later, but I was always going to be a lawyer. How about you, Rhonda? Yeah, I sort of think that I always intuitively just felt like I came in pinpoint when I knew I wanted to be a lawyer, but I felt like that was like the only career that from very young age, my mom, you know, you know, parents save everything and they, she has something, you know, when you're like in fourth grade, you say, what I want to be when I grow up. And it says, I want to be a judge. <laughs> and I don't know why I thought that in fourth grade, but I don't think that that was particularly, I ever had that thought again, but I had a great debate coach. We had debate program in my high school. And I loved arguing both sides. We'd have to always flip in forensics. And I loved that and preparing for the argument and doing that and the research. And then I had, um, Mr. Johnson was a great civics teacher in high school and just really always had you look at every side of an issue as well. And so I just think great teachers as well, just sort of kept me on that path that this is a great path for you. And then the appellate side, you know, I, I always say that I had an interest in law school and did the moot court and the things that you do for appellate law, but I sort of say that I accidentally sort of landed in the appellate role. It just sort of came through a, you know, a series of open doors after several things sort of aligned up that it became, you know, evident after many years. So it wasn't really evident at the beginning of my profession. Sometimes it's through experience that you sort of find where you ultimately the right, you know, sort of landing spot is for you. And Claire, yeah, I'm going to add one thing to my answer and <laughs> say what we, uh, both of us forgot to say this, but we talk about it regularly. And that is we are both first generation lawyers. So of course we didn't really have anyone in our family that, you know, kind of showed us the way we just sort of figured it out. And that might've been part of it too, is I've always uh, had a bit of an adventurous side. And I thought, well, I can do this. Yeah, that's really awesome. And so my next question kind of goes along with, with talking about great teachers, but I wanted to know if there was someone that you look up to and how that person impacts the work that you do and how you do the work that you do. Boy, that's, I think that that's a hard question. So I think that in different periods of my life, there's lots of people that I've looked up to and that make me sort of strive to, to do better, depending on sort of where I am in my career path to do that. When I, you know, I say all the time, when I graduated law school there, that was when the first female justice was elected in Arkansas. So really from a judging standpoint, there wasn't female role models or, you know, that someone that I looked up to and do that. And I'll be honest with you, one of the 
sort of, I feel like a role model now is Beth. (laughs) And so that, you know, having that sort of, I think your role model and mentor can also be your colleague and friend. And so um, it's sort of a checks and balances. And so that, you know, there's times in, you know, my career and in decisions and things on the bench that I sort of think about, well, like, how would she, you know, approach this and do this and these you know, not a decision on a case, but sometimes we're in these really difficult positions of how to sort of make this decision. And so I sort of, you know, I look up to her a lot, sort of on the Supreme Court justice role model. So now I put Beth in a hard spot, right? <laughs> well, you stole my answer because I'm like, okay, she's going to talk about a law mentor. She had. So, so I can come in, I can come in and just say, well, Ron, so um, you know, we both have had, you know, and I think anybody has in a career, you know, we've both been doing this for a little while, way longer than you have been alive, Claire. And we, you know, in different, however you want to describe it, seasons of your career, you know, there are people who have a great impact on you, both positively and negatively. Sometimes you learn from the negative experience. You learned a tremendous amount. But since I've become, you know, I'm in my seventh year on the bench. Ron has been doing this a whole lot longer. She's worn all the hats. She's been a trial judge and uh, an intermediate judge and a Supreme Court justice. But you come to really value the people. It's a small group that you can talk to on a day-to-day basis about what we really do. And that sounds like, well, no one understands it's kind of hard for other people to understand. And both of us have been, you know, in our careers made all these great friendships with lawyers, but now we can't really hang out with them much because they appear in front of us and we don't want to look like we're favoring one side or the other. So you get a little bit isolated. And I'm not saying that like I have a terrible life. I have a fabulous life. I love my job. But it just changes your social. And I, you know, one of the reasons we continue this podcast is one, we believe strongly in civic education and encouraging young women, but also we really like talking to each other every month or so about the things we talk about on the podcast. So right back at you, Rhonda. (laughs) Yeah. And I think that Claire, um, we're not perfect by any means. We've made mistakes, you know, along the path, but we'd like to think that we're trying to mentor, even if it's to people we've never met, kind of through the podcast that they can, you know, learn through our mistakes and maybe be something that we didn't have out there when we were kind of coming up through the ranks, if that helps. Yeah, that's, that's really cool. So you kind of talked about this a little bit with, with not spending as much time with certain lawyers now that you're in your appellate role. What is, the hardest part about being in the role that you're in? And then on the other side, what is your favorite part about being in the role that you're in? Well, the hardest part is something you touched on, Claire, actually. And when we're deciding the cases, it's just really, really important that you can set your political views and your preferences and how, you you know, what you think of someone or not think of them. And It sounds easy to do, but when you're in the thick of a really hard case, it can be tricky. I remember spending, uh, it doesn't matter what the case was, but I, we had a difficult case and 
I really, really had some preconceived notions about the side, the parties, the, the both sides. And I really wanted one side to win. I'm just going to tell you, you know, Beth wanted one side to win. And, but the law was leaning the other way. So I spent the whole weekend looking for a way for the law to be, maybe I'm missing something. Maybe I can go the way I want to go. And I just couldn't. And so I didn't. And that is hard. And also, you know, when you're handling people's liberty, criminal cases, all of that, you know, we have folks who are accused of some pretty terrible stuff who we have to determine whether their trials were constitutional or whether they were given all the protections that they're entitled to. And that's hard because you say, you know, for the obvious reasons, same reason that criminal defense work is hard. So those are the hard things. I think the thing I like the best is we get to, I mean, it's just an incredible privilege to get to be in charge of the court system. <laughs> we alternate our chief justice in West Virginia. So I'm in my second one-year term as chief right now. And it's a great responsibility, but it's really fun too. I kind of like to be in charge of things. So that sort of feeds my natural, I guess, bossiness, even though that's a negative term. I enjoy the responsibility. What about you, Rhonda? Hardest and easiest. You had more time to think. Yeah. Well, and so, I mean, boy, I mean, and there's lots, you know, on both of this sort of balancing scale, right? So it's one of the hardest things is to sort of think about to have the power and choose not to use it. And so that's sort of what Beth talked about is there's lots of times you have the power that, you know, Rhonda Wood would like to use, <laughs> to use and do, but Justice Wood can't. And it's very hard. And in today's world that everything has become so political. And so you make decisions that Rhonda Wood doesn't want to make, that Justice Wood has to make because that's what the constitution says. But you know that like you open up the paper the next day and the paper is going to say Rhonda Wood, <laughs> you know, did this or let a, con you know, a convicted murderer free. And it's, well, Justice Wood did that because he was denied his constitutional right to a fair trial. And you know, that's the process. And so that is really, you know, just hard some days that when that happens and, and you just anguish, you know, over them, because it's real easy to just say, well, I think the person's guilty. And so it didn't matter if it was constitutional, I'm going to keep them in jail, you know? <laughs> and so it's really hard to say, no, I'm going to do what the constitution requires, even though, you know, it's, it's really hard to you know, walk through Walmart tomorrow <laughs> or, or go to church, you know? Um, so anyway, and then the pleasure is like what Beth said. It's just amazing where my passion is with children and, and juveniles and families. And I chair our commission on children and families. And since I've been, you know, on the Supreme court the last nine years, we, I've been able to get grants in the state that we have completely overhauled our juvenile justice system and reformed it. And I never would have been able to sort of lead that effort had I not been on the court. And so to think that like generations, you know, that I've been able to make that impact is just, you know, it's sort of gives you goosebumps to think this young girl from a small town that no family of lawyers and whatever was able to get to this position that she could make a difference in juvenile justice in Arkansas statewide is sort of crazy, but what a privilege, you know? So things like that are, are pretty amazing, but great question. Yeah, that's, that's really cool. 
I hope to be that cool one day. Like, <laughs> I, that's my goal. That's my dream. We think you're so, pretty cool right now. That's why we had you on here. <laughs> well, thank you. But I would like to know what is a word of advice that you would give to a student, specifically a woman who is looking to enter the legal field? So what a, I think it's a great time. I think that the world has shifted dramatically. The Some of the obstacles that were there when Beth and I were coming up are no longer there. I think that you can achieve and do anything. And probably the biggest advice I always give is to just keep all your doors open and because you just never know and keep sort of your options open. So you know, never get as even as focused as you think, you know, you are right now and what you want to do is that keep options open because you sort of never know what opportunity may lie or, you know, I would say, you know, God like sends you a different direction. <laughs> and so even with law, I, I was 100%, I was going to be an international law. That was what I was going to do. And then, you know, my husband was like, let's go to Arkansas. And, um, and then I'm in Arkansas and then I was going to do something else that kind of law and like all these just paths and doors opened for me. And if I would have been too focused and too set on like, this is a path and I'm going to do ABC to get there, then I wouldn't be on the court right now. And so it's sort of have a plan, have an agenda and a path to get there, but be willing to sort of be open to other things that come along that way. Beth, what do you think? That's uh, that's really great advice, and I agree with everything that you said. And I will add something that I think works for whether you're interested in what we do or really anything. When I was a Girl Scout, which I chose the path of staying in Girl Scouts all the way through my senior year in high school. So I was the Girl Scout geek. Not cool, by the way. Was not cool, but I did it anyway. And one of the things I learned in Girl Scouts is that you can do anything you set your mind to. And, you know, going to law, going to college isn't easy. Going to law school is not easy. You know, finding the money, borrowing the money, whatever you have to do to do all those things. And really in getting started, in a career, whether it's law or anything else, sometimes can be challenging. And sometimes women, and I will be sexist when I say this, sometimes women sell themselves short and don't, you know, really believe in all that they can do. And fortunately, the Girl Scouts taught me that I could do anything that I want to do. And so I always had that in my head, but I would encourage any woman to just carry on and do it. And Claire, I don't think you need our advice because you are already going to, you already have, and probably will continue to believe in yourself and in your capabilities. But that's, that would be my piece of advice. Yeah. And I'm going to jump back into that. I think the legal field is so fantastic because there are so many options. So it's, you can, you know, work for a fortune 500 company and, you know, do a nine to five, you can go into litigation, you can go to transactional, you can, you know, Beth worked for um, hospital and did, you know, employment type law for a while. You know, I taught law school. So there's that avenue. You can be a teacher with your law degree. So, I mean, there is just so many different, and then you can go the judge path. I mean, it's a Juris Doctorate, so it's a doctorate degree. So if you think about it, it's college and then this postdoctorate degree, I mean, and then the door, everything's just wide open, career paths. 
and you can do so many things. And Beth and I both did a lot of things with our, you know, law degree. And so it's just sort of a great, you know, next graduate, you know, degree to have. And my kids used to say like, mom, can you keep a job? Because it was like, well, I'm going to go do this for a while. And then all of a sudden I went and did this and then this, and they're like, you know, but it, the law field has so many possibilities. Don't you think that? Absolutely. I agree a hundred percent. I met some lawyers the other day, all of whom, one of whom had left the state, unfortunately, I hope he'll come back but was working for a major, you know, a large nonprofit nationally and not as a lawyer, but just as a uh, program director. And that's where he was getting his start because it was something he was passionate about. And that's just one example. His law degree, we, we interviewed for this podcast recently, a journalist slash lawyer, kind of like you, Claire, and, you know, the who who talked about how, you know, journalism made him a better lawyer and lawyering made him a better journalist. So there's all kinds of things you can do with this. Yes, he was the, he's the head of the National Constitution Center. So um, that would be probably right up your alley. So he's a journalist and now is the head of the, so if you want to go see the Constitution in Philadelphia and everything, we could send you over to see him. But so with, you know, his law degree and, and I, I keep going down this, but I, I was at an event this weekend and I was talking to the director of the Arkansas Game and Fish. And he said, and I have a law degree. <laughs> and I said, you do? And I thought, well, that's interesting, you know? So, I mean, I guess you can do even, even be the head of the Arkansas Game and Fish, by the way. <laughs> so that's probably something you weren't thinking about either. <laughs> No, ma'am. Good to know. <laughs> Good to know. Good to know. There are options. Well, well thank you. Guys. Certainly. No, those were great questions. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for your advice. That's very helpful. Definitely sounds like my parents saying keep your mind open, but I appreciate it. Thank you. That's all the questions that I had. Well, thank and Beth, I think you asked the appellate one. So uh, I'm going to jump back, Claire, to I have another question for you sort of going back to your video is because we've done a lot of episodes. We've done a couple now on civil discourse and just how talking about how our country's going and different things. And as we said, we were really struck by the compassion when you did your video and just, I guess I say you use your technology for good, <laughs> good versus evil. And I guess how do you, do you have any ideas how adults or youths can, you know, how can us as adults can encourage, you know, youths to use technology in such a good manner, or you can encourage other youths to use technology in such a good way? Do you have any thoughts or any advice? Um, I just think in general for everyone, young people, adults, I think it's, it's good to use technology as a place to listen and learn instead of as a place to exclusively share. I think a lot of people really want to make their opinions heard, especially on technology, because it has such a far reach. Um, and I think this probably ties into some of what you guys were talking about, about how things are becoming increasingly political. And I think technology has has something to do with that, people wanting to share their opinions and which isn't inherently bad, mm -hmm. but a lot of the time it, people want to exclusively share their opinions and aren't as interested in hearing experiences and opinions from others. 
And I think part of the beauty of technology is kind of it opens our world up to hear about so many more people and and so many more experiences and so many more views that we would never have heard without technology. Like, for example, the story of the student that I was able to to create a video about. It's not a story that a lot of people would have heard without uh, a platform like video on technology. So so opportunities like that allow people to learn about others and to actively listen and to actively gain insight from others and the experience of others. So I, I think it's important to remember to use technology to, to learn and gain insight. I think you're just really inspirational. What do you think, Beth? <laughs> yeah, no, I was going to jump in as well, you know, and you have put words to what I have been thinking for a while, because it's tempting to just check out of some of the social media platforms, because there's a lot of nonsense out there. But I just quite can't because, and now I know why, is it because I get to hear so many different views and I get to learn things and I will continue. And when I continue on, I will say, remember what Claire said, is it, it is a very powerful place to learn. And so that is awesome. I love that. Yeah. Yeah. I'm really impressed. So yeah, it's been fantastic. And although we could continue doing this, I feel like we could talk to you for hours. We do have to close out the episode at Lady Justice. And But Claire, I think we told you that we always end with a lightning round of questions. And so we're hoping you're going to participate with us. Is that okay? Yes, ma'am. Excellent. And so um, the way we're, we do this is we just do short answers and we'll do it in the order of I'll ask the question, then it'll be Beth and then you, Claire, and then me will answer. So we'll just have a couple of questions today. And so I'll start with what is your favorite sport that you've played? So I took up golf late in life and I still play it and it is my favorite sport. Claire, you go ahead. So for me, swimming is my favorite sport. Uh, it's the only sport I've ever played but I am passionate about it. I teach swim lessons. I think it's super important. So yeah, that's definitely my favorite. So for me, I played tennis in high school and that was always my favorite sport. I'm not able to play anymore physically. So I'm thinking about picking up pickleball, but I haven't quite gotten there yet. (laughs) So that's my next thing. So this is, I think, the harder one. I, I wrote this question and then I've really struggled with it. I'll just be frank with you guys, but Do you have a favorite t-shirt and what is it, Beth? And I have struggled, you know, we had time to think about this. So I'm going to take a a little bit of a turn and tell a very fast story. I, years ago, I made a bet on Twitter with our former co-host and friend, Bridget McCormick, and it was over the Ohio State-Michigan game. I'm an Ohio State fan. She's a Michigan fan. And my favorite t-shirt, I guess I'm just going to say, is the Ohio State shirt she had to wear and post a picture of herself in on Twitter after Ohio State won that football game. So that's going to be my favorite t-shirt. Claire, you go. That's awesome. I love it. I'm going to have to say my favorite t-shirt is my Baylor t-shirt because it's very soft. And also that's my dream school. So two for one. All right. There you go. We'll have to help find some Baylor alums for you through the podcast and get you some connections. So I, I love t-shirts with sayings on them. And that's why I've really struggled to limit my take to one. 
And um, so Beth will laugh. Um, I think the one I'm going to go with is I have one that my daughter-in-law gave me that says bookmarks are for quitters. And um, I think that's my favorite one. <laughs> I'm a huge reader, Claire. So I think that that's what I'm going to stick with is my favorite one. So my next question, are you a dog lover, cat lover, or both? Beth. So I am cat lover. Love cats. I have two cats. Their names are Cleveland and Mulligan. How about you, Claire? Definitely dogs, for sure. All right. And I'm a dog lover. If people that see me on Twitter know, I post pictures of Charlie and Macy. So, and I got to meet her dogs this summer, um, and I was very excited about that. So, even though you're not, you prefer cats. You love Charlie and Macy. You gotta know. Uh, I absolutely did. So I can, I'm persuadable. Okay. Yes, that, that's part of this job too. Yeah, there you go. All right, well, we're going to wrap it up. And so thank you, Claire, for joining us. We hope you've enjoyed the experience and taken something from it. Thank you. Yes, ma'am. Thank you so much for, for having me. This was a really cool experience. Thank you. And I know we're, it's too bad Beth won't be there, but we're, I'm going to have Claire up to the court so she can see the court. So we'll do that in a few weeks, but this is it for this episode of Lady Justice Women of the Court, and we'll see you next time. Thanks for listening to Lady Justice Women of the Court, the only podcast with one retired and two sitting state Supreme Court justices. To learn more about this podcast, access past episodes, or find links to our social media, visit ladyjusticepod.com. You can also record a voice message with a question or comment. Don't forget to subscribe and share our show with a friend of the genre. Remember, the opinions expressed on the program are the justices alone and do not necessarily reflect the views of their respective courts. Until next time.